welcome to episode 41 of Have a Blessed Gay, your spiritual comedy podcast. I am your holy host, Tyler Martin. And what an eventful last few days. Happy Daddy's Day to all the daddies out there. Happy Juneteenth. I hope you were able to celebrate, and more importantly, I hope you are educated enough to have celebrated Juneteenth. Pride festivities are in full swing, and last but certainly not least, and I truly cannot believe it, y'all, but the podcast is now a year old. What is happening? It's wild to think it's been a whole year. These 365 days have been interesting, to say the least, and I just feel so blessed and very gay to have gone through these months with you. Thank you for your immense support, your love, any time you shared the podcast with a friend, any time you sent me a message about your spiritual journey, it's just meant the world to me, and I truly am so thankful we're on this ride together. So raise a glass, you spiritual slut. Here's a toast to the podcast, to you, to us, and to Ryan Felipe's ass, which I'm sure still looks incredible. Cheers. I've been incredibly fortunate to have some spectacular guests on the show. From drag race superstar Nina West to the ex-ultra-Orthodox rabbi and trans-Jewish advocate Abby Shava-Stein, an international icon and gay Buddhist monk Kodo Nishimura, to a Pulitzer Prize-winning finalist, the historian Dr. Eric Cervini. We've covered origins of Christianity, explored history surrounding several religions. We've covered religious trauma, politics, social issues, and a plethora of other topics all the while throwing in some penis jokes so it's not so goddamn heavy. We've heard from atheists, Muslims, Christians, Jews, Buddhists, Mormons, astrologers, energy healers, tarot readers, and just so many more. These guests, these topics, these questions that we've been asking have enriched my life, my spiritual journey, and I've had the magical pleasure of sharing them with you, questioning the norms, and giving some space for us to experience spiritual fluidity. Celebrating our year marker, I thought it would be fun to explore the origins of the podcast, take you behind the scenes, reveal the working wheels behind the curtain, if you will, and explain why the hell I started this podcast something I've never really talked in depth about. And a very important aspect of this series is the use of comedy. It's something I've mentioned for sure, but I've also not gone in depth about that either. So I will also be chatting about how I use comedy in this podcast, in my writing, in other work, and in my personal life to tackle daunting, scary, and uncomfortable as fuck subject matter. I also give tips on how you might utilize comedy in your own life to bring yourself joy and in turn, others. But before we get into all that, I gotta read a review. As a reminder, I am reading reviews you leave now, so please make sure to leave a review on the Apple Podcast app 
or on the computer if you do not have an iPhone. It is totally free, does not take long at all, and I, I just really can't say how much it benefits the podcast. So if you want to show your appreciation, your love, and celebrate the year marker with me, leaving a review would be amazing. But be warned, I've heard from a couple people, unfortunately, that they have posted a review, but it hasn't showed up. So here's a dealio. Apple is a little weird sometimes with word choices. So just make sure that you don't use curse words, I know, sad, or anything super vulgar, I know, even sadder, or they will not approve it. So if you've left one, make sure it's on there because I'd hate for it not to be. And if it was not approved, I went ahead and put the email for Apple in the show notes, which I'm sure that they will love. You can either email them or simply write another G-rated review for the podcast. But sorry for all the people who have been denied. That's so frustrating and annoying. If it were up to me, I would only accept reviews if they had curse words and vulgarity to the max. But alas, this is where we are. Anywho, here is a review by Super Lady, and it's spelled like soup, S-O-U-P, so maybe they work in a soup kitchen or something, or who knows, maybe they just really love soup, I don't know. But they wrote, funny and thought-provoking. Such a touching, thoughtful, and funny podcast. It creates a comfortable space for conversation and questioning the beliefs we've been taught as fact. The addition of humor allows coping for topics that might be difficult to talk about and question, since they are often integral parts of us as people. I would recommend this podcast and host to everyone. Ah, that is so wonderfully sweet. Thank you, super lady. You are quite super. The name holds up. And honestly, it makes me so happy because that is the reason I started the podcast a year ago. I'm reading these reviews in the order that they were left, and it's amazing the universe lined that up for me like this, because this review so beautifully ties into the subject of this episode. And speaking of, let's just go ahead and fucking get to it, shall we? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, the leading provider of online counseling. Y'all, the world is crazy and mental health is important. Some might even call it spiritual. I personally use BetterHelp myself and absolutely love what they're doing. BetterHelp makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. So if you're struggling emotionally, battling anxiety, or you can't stop crying after an episode of Queer Eye, BetterHelp can be there for you anytime, anywhere. Go to my personal link at BetterHelp help.com slash bless gay to check it out and get what 10% off the best part is you don't even have to leave your house they offer four ways to speak with a licensed counselor video calls phone calls real-time chat and direct messaging all counselors have been qualified and certified by their state's professional board In other words, you're not talking to a lobster dressed in human clothes. They're legit. All you gotta do is go to my link at betterhelp.com slash blessed gay and begin the questionnaire to match you with a therapist who is uniquely qualified to serve your needs. How sexy. 
It's super duper easy and you're matched within 24 hours or less. BetterHelp has a monthly subscription rather than paying per session, which makes it cheaper. But if finances are still a concern, financial aid is available for those who qualify. Get counseling, improve your life, and help this podcast out in the process by going to betterhelp.com slash gay. Sign up today and get 10% off. That's betterhelp.com slash gay. In the beginning, I wrote a web series. I know, I know, I know, another actor writing a damn web series. But I did, and sincerely, it was not just to show myself off. The main reason I created it was because I felt so spiritually lost at the time. As I've alluded to before, theater was my church growing up. I come from a family of ministers, and I was forced to go to actual church, but I didn't really find spirituality there. Theater was my source of spirituality. It was my source of community. But more than that, it forced me to ask big questions, and also ask painfully simple questions, like, why? Why would a character, a person, do something? There is nothing like performing to me the energy pulsating through my body, being able to vulnerably connect with strangers. It's a magical thing. It is a spiritual thing. I've been acting since I was little. The first time I really understood the weight of what I was able to do with acting was when I was 13. Not to toot my own little horn, but I was in a show playing a role that countless people had an intense emotional reaction to. After each show, I would have lines of people waiting to talk to me. Adults waiting to talk to me. They shared stories, they cried, they laughed, they took pictures, a full range of interactions. And I was just 13. Although the amazing reviews from critics definitely helped my little ego at the time, it was during those interactions, night after night, that I felt like I had a gift. I had unlocked a spiritual gateway for myself. Skip to like 10 years later in time and I'm in New York City. I have my musical theater degree and I'm doing the actor thing, right? And I'm doing it successfully, which was almost the weirdest part to my spiritual breakdown. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do. In one way, I felt successful. Like when I would list my accomplishments to people, it was hard for me not to be like, Okay, get it, Tyler. But still, simultaneously, I began to feel hollow inside, and it finally hit me one day. I had been privileged as a kid and throughout my youth and into college, getting to choose roles, choosing the work that I got to do. But in New York, I felt like I had to take anything that I was given. Very different approaches to art, and also to spirituality. It reminds me of evangelicalism, actually, and I began to shut down, like so many do in restrained religious or spiritual settings. When I understood why I was depressed, it hit me hard, and I knew I had to do something, and do it fast. So, I made a deal with myself. 
I promised myself that between my off-Broadway show, my dog walking, and various actor-like side jobs I had, I would spend the $5 I most definitely did not have on a coffee and write for at least 30 minutes a day in my favorite coffee shop. At first, well, not much happened. It was a lot of me staring at my computer screen, praying something even somewhat interesting would come through my brain. But then I had another epiphany as I stared at the screen. Why am I trying to create an experience instead of embracing my own? A message I keep having to remind myself of to this day. So what experiences did I have to pull from? Moving to New York from Texas, maybe. Being very poor. Loving creation and art. Complicated relationships. And religious trauma? Well, what the hell am I supposed to do with all that? I didn't know if I should close my writing document and quickly search for the nearest therapist, or if I should write a one-person show. <laughs> and of course, I chose the show. So I started writing, and wow, it gushed out of me. I wrote several songs, a full show, ideas for other shows. I mean, the gateway suddenly felt open again. I had so much to say, so much I wanted to do. And then I sat there, looking at all these things I had written, and I honestly cannot tell you why, because I don't really know why. But in that coffee shop, staring at my work on my computer, it hit me. I have to make a web series. I had never written a web series before, I had never directed a web series before, I had never been in a web series before. But I knew that day that I needed to write a web series. I hadn't seen the topics I was writing about in media before, not in the way I was approaching them anyway, so the only clear thing to me was to create it. I quickly picked up my phone and called my incredible partner, Enrique, and told him my new, completely out of the blue mission. I said, I know we can't afford anything, and I know I technically don't know what the hell I'm doing, but I need your support in this. And he said, okay. The comedy series eventually became known as Don't Suck. It can be found on YouTube, youtube.com slash don't suck series. It follows a New York transplant from Texas who abruptly drops out of college. Something I debated about myself, but I did graduate. And along with his misfit friends, he tries to navigate love, art, and spirituality in this new city. I'm so proud of my little gay engine that could. It toured film festivals, won multiple awards, had some lovely write-ups, and has gained over 5 million views on YouTube. Something unheard of for a first season web series. And that includes web series with actual money and budgets behind them. Something we did not have. But just like that show I was in when I was 13, I felt like I had found my calling again. I began receiving messages from people around the world, telling me their stories, how much they appreciated the representation, the topics, the point of view. People who told me watching the show gave them hope, made them reconsider living. Like these messages were like no other. The lead character of Don't Suck, played by a fabulous actor, <clears throat> myself, 
<laughs> identifies as gay and wants to claim the faith label, Christian. Now, this theme is actually super small in the series. There's nuance regarding it throughout for all the true fans out there who dissect the show, but really, the topic is only explicitly discussed in one episode, in one scene. But that topic was one of the number one things I got messages about. That topic I still get messages about to this day. It's dealt with a sense of reality and sincerity, not covered in trauma the characters can't overcome, but simply asking some questions. Because of that outpour from the audience, I knew I needed to keep the conversation going. So I created a little podcast called Have a Blessed Day. But I wanted to approach the subject matter in the same way I did in Don't Suck, utilizing a relatable, humanist, comedic approach, so it wouldn't be a turnoff to people. I mean, what do you not talk about at a party? Politics, religion, and the fact that Deborah is cheating on her husband. We all know Deborah. just get the damn divorce already. Am I right? But these are the rules we have in our society. So how could I make a podcast surrounding these taboo issues that people would actually want to listen to for a prolonged time? My answer was humor. People typically don't want to be sad for an hour straight, or even an hour gay for that matter. They just don't. But we've all heard those doom and gloom podcasts that are just 100% negative 100% of the damn time, right? The world is on fire! We're in a pandemic! I haven't had sex in 12 months, 16 days, 14 hours, 22 minutes, and 11 seconds, oh god. I tried to perk myself up by buying one of them fraps. Well, they should call it a crap, cause that put me in the shitter. Then I tried buying a dog, just to find out that I am damn allergic to dogs. I gave it away to this bitch at church I don't even like. She smells and not in a good way. Listen, honestly, I swear to God, I gave her the dog in hopes that she will now smell like a dog. Cause that, that would be an improvement. Jesus, I don't know if giving her that dog means I'm gonna get good karma, bad karma, or if it'll just equal itself out. But do I feel bad? Yeah, I do. Cause right after I gave her the dog, her wife up and left her. Probably because of the smell. I'm just guessing. I don't know. It's in God's hands now. Praise him. All I do know is that I am sad. The batteries in my vibrator died. And all I want to talk about is how the world is shit for an hour. All right. Haven't we all heard those podcasts? And it gets old. And it begs the question, what's the point? What good does it do me to listen to an hour podcast of people whining or ranting? What am I going to gain from that? There are a ton of ultra-serious spiritual and religious podcasts out there. Not that it doesn't have its place, but I knew I didn't want to do that. The goal was, and is, to make spirituality accessible, showing there are plenty of ways to have a spiritual relationship if a person wants to have one, no matter their age, Gender, sexuality, ethnicity, height, weight, or favorite Disney movie. I wanted to create a space where people felt comfortable asking questions of their faith, of their identity, of their society. Enter comedy. 
Comedy is a beautiful gateway to be able to talk about difficult, uncomfortable, sad, scary, and confusing subject matter. Frequently, or almost exclusively, people say that breakthroughs and light bulbs can only occur when someone hits rock bottom, that they have to hit a low in order to experience a breakthrough, like in therapy, for example. But with my work, I feel like I've proven that theory wrong. Multiple guests that have been on the podcast have broken down into tears, having just moments before been laughing. They have told me after that they were taken aback by crying, but they felt at ease. Popping jokes back and forth with me activated their minds. They were feeling creative, uplifted, and in a place where they were comfortable to look inward. I also have received this feedback from countless listeners like yourself. Listeners who admit listening to the podcast solely for entertainment purposes and almost feeling duped into learning or gaining something from it. I believe there are multiple avenues to a breakthrough, a light bulb, a way through trauma, and a way to discuss difficult subject matter. And one of those ways is comedy. It is a way to navigate pain, trauma, and bad memories in a less painful way. It's like instead of getting a shot on the ass, you get a kiss on the cheek, on the ass cheek. And you don't have to be a comedian to use comedy in your life. I'm gonna take you through how I approach comedy, specifically on this podcast, my little process. I believe humor is humanist. Nothing nor no one is 100% anything, except me. I am 100% perfect. Okay, fine, I'm not, damn it. For something to be relatable on a human level, it cannot be 100% anything. That just doesn't work. There has to be nuance, there has to be levels. So how could I ever really attempt to talk about any subject whether sensitive or not, without allowing humor to enter. It doesn't have to enter the party, but it should get an invitation. And hey, I'm naturally a silly person, so much so that I was worried that that might be a drawback to people. And to some, I'm sure it is. But because I allow a full range of emotions to live simultaneously on the podcast, creating rich, full-arced episodes, I believe that's why so many people do relate to it why they have those breakthroughs, and why they feel welcome to question their most intimate identities. But let's even go deeper. Let's get technical, shall we? And oh gosh, you are gonna find out in this episode, I tend to be an overthinker, like intensely so. Here are three specific forms of comedy I use. First, absurdity. Absurdist comedy is a favorite of mine. It's a concept often used in sketch comedy, we also see it a lot in stand-up, taking what might be a mundane activity or thing and overanalyzing it, which is great for an overthinker like me. This can also be called observational comedy, depending on the exact joke, but it's basically capitalizing on the absurdity of something, and it's typically pretty easy to do. Because humans are wild. Absurdity is everywhere around us. Hell, we are living on a ball that is floating around in space. 
and we have no idea why. That is hysterical. And that makes all of our petty day-to-day -day issues even that much more funny. Like, how long did it take you to get dressed this morning? You know what might make that go faster? Knowing that the sun is going to eventually obliterate the earth. Maybe choosing between those lavender and mauve shirts seems a little less important in comparison. <laughs> a way I often use absurdist humor is actually to make fun of societal norms, as I'm sure you have noticed, showcasing how absurd they truly are. Like gender, for example. Pointing out the absurdity of gender reveal parties, which is basically when adult humans come together to celebrate an unborn baby's genitals? Like, what kind of weird dystopian sci-fi movie are we in? It's bizarre when you think about it. When we start to use the absurdist lens to examine our world and problems, it offers some really helpful perspectives. Not only is it entertaining and often pretty funny, it is actually very revealing. Noting the absurdity too undermines the ridiculousness of that kind of oppression, taking away its power and making us feel powerful. So not only is it funny, it's educational, and it's wonderful in fighting back against hate, oppression, and this BS patriarchy. The second form of comedy I use quite a bit is what I like to call scratching around the bug bite. You know when you have a bug bite and you have the urge to scratch? Well, it hurts if you just scratch right on the bug bite. But ooh, scratching around it, that is a good feeling. This concept is when I might be talking about something more serious, and I don't think it's appropriate for whatever reason to make a joke about that said subject, but I can make a joke about something surrounding it. Like when I came out to my parents, it was awful, right? It was more horribly received than the last episode of Game of Thrones. So funny, yeah, relatable to a lot of people, because, you know, that episode was just so bad. And although it has something to do with my coming out, it's not poking fun at my coming out experience. Another great example of this was when the comedian Rita Brent was on here who talked about her almost committing suicide. Doesn't sound very funny, right? <laughs> well, if you remember, as she's telling the story, she says, for a couple of weeks, I was looking at the weapon. Like, could I do that? But you know, thankfully I'm a procrastinator and I never got around to it. <laughs> so, not making fun of suicide itself, but something relatable surrounding it. And last but not least, honey, honey. I freaking love puns. I mean, the podcast is called Have a Blessed Gay. I call myself the holy host. It's usually an easily digestible way to add in some comedy. Unlike dairy. I come from a Christian background, like I said, so you best believe I know a few Christian puns. Yeah? You know, I could go on and on and even tell you my Jesus puns, but eh, I feel like I already nailed it. hey Okay, okay, okay. One more, one more, one more. How did Jesus get those eight abs? He was into CrossFit. Ah! 
Okay, really, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Lock me away. Just like Pontius Pilate, I'm gonna wash my hands of that. <laughs> However, the key to all this is consent. There is nothing sexier than consent. As a host who interviews people, I take great care with my questions, and it is immensely important that I talk with my guests beforehand and that they know what the hell they're getting into, and I get to learn what they are comfortable with. There's a super interesting comedy theory by Peter McGraw and Caleb Warren who wrote their book, Benign Violations, Making Immoral Behavior Funny. The theory is inspired by the linguist Tom Veach and states that humor occurs when, and only when, three conditions are satisfied. One, a situation is a violation. Number two, the situation is benign. And three, both perceptions occur simultaneously. So some examples of this are, one, a violation can seem benign because of a lack of commitment to the violated norm. So some examples of this are, A, a violation can be seen as benign because of a lack of commitment to the violated norm, such as when people who are not religious laugh at when a church has a raffle to give away a Hummer. B, a violation can seem benign because of the distance from the violation, such as when it occurs to someone else or happened a long time ago where it doesn't seem real. And C, a violation can seem benign because of an alternative interpretation, as it occurs in the case of like play fighting or, or tickling. And generally speaking, I agree with this theory. However, I do think we get in a lot of trouble with this theory. This is how we have straight, white, cis, male comedians on stage constantly making crude, disrespectful, misogynistic jokes about women, calling them a bitch over and over as if that is somehow a joke. But using this theory, some people might find that funny. After all, it is a language violation, and if they feel separated enough, or superior enough, then it could be seen as benign, therefore funny. This is how we have superiority in comedy, feeling like you can joke about something that happens in a group outside of your own. Jokes about race, financial status, location, age, and so on. Although negative, it is quite telling of any of those people who make those insensitive jokes without any regard for those people. All things can be negative and used in an abusive way, and comedy is not exempt from this rule. That is why consent, being aware, and analyzing jokes is so important. When we joke, are we punching down or are we punching up? It's a difference between a roast and an insult. What is the purpose? In the words of the often problematic comedian Ellen DeGeneres, do you know how to kid properly? Because we should both be laughing. And I agree with that sentiment. If you're the only one laughing, either you're just not funny, or maybe you're being a dick. But if done in a thoughtful way, comedy can be a gateway to healing, to bonding, and hell yeah, even be a path toward enlightenment, breakthroughs, and spirituality. I so hope you enjoyed this episode. 
more than that, I hope you are now able to thoughtfully use comedy in your own life and call out other people who are not using it properly. We can use comedy to bypass, but we can also use it to actually approach issues, which is what I aim to do. As always, please feel free to reach out to me. I love hearing from you. You can reach me through the email in the show notes or through social media at Have a Blessed Gay on all the platforms. And make sure to celebrate this year anniversary by leaving a review and I will eventually read it on here. However, if you are not in a place to joke and you're like, fuck comedy, that's all right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Feel all your feelings. That's what they're for. I'm also a huge advocate for therapy, but if you do need help right here, right now, I always post helplines in the show notes, so please do reach out to them if you need to. Just remember this, you are special, you are purposeful, and you are fucking beautiful. Have a blessed day, y'all, and happy one year anniversary to us. Thank you.